to Backlog Dialogues, the podcast where we dig you out of your backlog before it buries you. I'm John, and joining me as always are the Riku and Pine to my Yuna. Wait, it's Pine, not Pain? I'm Jared. And I'm Matt. Yeah, it is It is Pine. Also, I tried to add that extra k to the Riku because we have a Riku in the story already with 1K. It's, yeah, it's Japanese Riku is weird. And, and I, Riku. Yep. And, but they say that the exact same in English because English voice actors are bad at Japanese names sometimes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, how do you say it differently? That I'm sure it's spelled different because it is here. But yeah. So basically, the the way that it's that I always tell people when they're trying to learn Japanese pronunciation is imagine saying two English words that be, one ends with that consonant and one begins with that consonant, and then that's. That's the sound that the double consonant should make in Japanese. Riku. Riku. Mm. Rather than Riku, it'd be Riku. It is essentially making a second sound out of it. Yep. But yeah, it's it's sometimes confusing. You do have to kind of get used to the idea, especially when you're listening for it. Mm-hmm. But generally, Japanese people don't get lazy about that particular kind of pronunciation. The one people do get lazy about is doubled vowels. Mm-hmm. And this has been the pronunciation platform. A special part of Backlog Dialogues. The more you know. <laughs> so anyways, oh. I think we're talking about Kingdom Hearts. Yes. I think we're talking about Final Fantasy because we just the three Final Fantasy names and we're going to be saying a lot more Final Fantasy names over the course of this episode. That is true. Yeah. Today we're returning to Twilight Town because there's stuff to do there. And then we're going to get into some utterly hype shit back in Hollow Bastion and also some computer stuff, I guess. I mean, I believe we go to Twilight Town literally because it just reappears on the map. And it's like, oh, yeah. Wait. Yeah. Um, some time ago, we got a message saying Twilight Town's back. And we didn't go there because we wanted to go be lions instead. Yep. I mean, it's a fair trade. Yeah, it's a fair trade. Like, it's- and also, it's not that long of a trip back to Twilight Town. I think there's only going to be a few scenes that we're going to deal with. And the very first thing that it starts with is Vivi screaming about Cypher. Talking about Final Fantasy characters and nothing else, we're heading to the Sandlot. This is also kind of a good opportunity once we get to Twilight Town just to pick up all the shit that we missed last time. Lots of various treasure chests and stuff that we couldn't get access to. Well, there's no hurry. It's just Cypher. Yeah, no hurry. It's just Cypher. Fuck that guy. He's a dick. Yeah, eventually we can go to the Sandlot if we want to. And Cypher's gang is being assaulted by some nobodies. And I think we have to save them. I guess we do. But they brought Berserkers. Fuck Berserkers. Well, we need to talk about Berserkers. They're a new type of uh, nobody. I am extremely sorry for making you go into critical mode when I remember that Berserkers exist. Yeah, well, you really do need to talk about that because they believe me. They got a lot of cheap shots off on me. Yeah, that's what you expect when you have just this massive nobody shape with a huge T-sword. And the way you fight Berserkers is you have to use their reaction command. They will go crazy if you do not use it. What the reaction command does is it allows you to grab their sword and go uh, riding around on it for a while. And then eventually you can pick up all the enemies by slashing the sword multiple times and then doing a big tornado. It's really powerful. And you kind of have to do it when Berserkers are in the room. Those are the ones that do the thing where they shrink down and then they yeah. use the sword to like smash at you over and over again. Yeah. And if they get going on a smashing rampage, it is extremely hard to escape from them. And in critical mode where you have very low HP and damage output is way high, you will probably die if you get caught in even one of those. So this encounter tends to take me a while. Yeah, it's the pogo stick from hell. I just feel I want to take a moment to comment on the word Berserker. Do you know that one of the believed sources of it, it literally meant bear shirt? As yes. someone wearing a coat made out of bear skin? Beat. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I had. 
Berserkers are associated to one particular member of Organization 13, and he's the one we get to meet in this next scene. First, we gotta go ahead, and once we finish all the enemies, someone's giving us a nice, slow clap. Impressive. By the way, have you seen a man named Axel? I expect he's here somewhere. Like I care! You see, Axel's no longer acting in our best interest. Is he with the organization, too? Yes. Not a very organized organization. Don't let your guard down. Axel will stop at nothing to turn you into a heartless. Gee, thanks for looking out for us, mister. But I'm sure we can take care of ourselves just fine. Glad to hear it. Axel aside, it would break our hearts to hear something happen to you. True, we don't have hearts, but we remember what it was like. That's what makes us special. What do you mean? We know very well how to injure a heart. Sora, you just keep on fighting those heartless. Let's jump in after him. I'm not sure, but maybe he'll lead us to the organization's world. Don't be reckless. Do you want to end up like Riku? What? Then Saix just pieces out without saying a word. Yeah, the guy we have just met is Saix, who has long blue hair, sort of like in a very scruffy mullet, is what I'd want to say. I would just yeah. say super shaggy. He looks like he's basically emulating all your Final Fantasy long hair bosses, but being blue, I think that means he's down a tier or two. Yeah, Saix also has the big X scar over oh, yeah. the, the front of his face. It's a bit understated, but he always has this sort of like low boiling anger beneath every single thing he says in kind of an interesting way. Yep. It is. It is fun noting that despite everything that happened before, Sora does not recognize the name Axel at all. How can he? He has not met Axel in his memory because everything that happened in Castle Oblivion turned his brain to goo. He doesn't know who Axel is. Yeah, they, I mean, nominee, I think, just put the goo in the jello mold and just slammed him in the freezer. But it's still it's still wiggling. Yeah, in fact, I even have in my notes, after we win, the hood guy shows up looking for Axel. Unfortunately, Sora's brain is goo after Chain of Memory, so he doesn't have that name memorized. And he even was told explicitly to get it memorized. He asked. Not much you can do, though, when Namine is just messing with your brain. But he didn't, but he doesn't remember being told to remember. Yep. (laughs) Anyway, Cypher then tells us to get lost and gives us a trophy. Yep. It, it, it's great. I, I think Cypher just got sick of having the trophy in his room. But why did he have it down here in the sandlot? He says it's for the toughest guy. Right after he told us that he didn't need our help to get lost, he says, here, have this trophy because you're tough. He doesn't want to have that stupid fucking thing anymore. Get it away from him. So <laughs> immediately hands it to Goofy to, to be the gopher. And then Pence just shows up and asks if we know Kyrie. Yeah, that gets Sora's attention instantly. And luckily, that means Cypher can leave the scene. We're going to go learn what happened to Kyrie, but before we do, another absent silhouette has showed up. It's Lexius. Quick, say, remember one line Lexius said. Damn it. I'm. Damn it. I'm Damn it. the least important member of the organization and I wield an axe. That's about right. <laughs> well, I mean, that sounds like have, <laughs> we have Zaldin right there. Are you sure you're going to say that? I will give Zaldin this, even though he is the least consequential member of our organization in this game. At least he does have lines. <laughs> also, Zaldin is just cooler, like because he's the. No, uh, no, Zaldin is not cooler. Zaldin oh, is I'm, lame. <laughs> sorry, I'm thinking of the wrong person. I'm, Here's th- what I'm I was thinking, thinking of. of the gambler guy. Luxor is cool. Yeah. Luxor rules. Isn't Luxor Nomura's favorite organization member? 
I honestly don't know. I said, can I say I do like that my memory is good enough. I can remember all these awkwardly similar names like they're they're categorically different. But since they're all X names like that, they just kind of do have this blurring effect. They do kind of do. But like I do remember every single one of these characters It's weird. So like for me, I know the difference between the characters, but the names like so we they have do blend. we have Lexius, Luxord, and uh, and Zaldin, uh, Zaldin and they're Zexion, all like names with X's and L's Gassin, and stuff like that. Larxene, but no one forgets Larxene. They don't dare. So many of them have X's in the middle. That's the problem. Syx <laughs> stands out because his X is at the end. Zemnis yeah. stands out because his X is at the beginning. Have we heard Zemnis oh, in game? I'm going to cut that out. <laughs> nah, like we've been shouting all sorts of names we haven't heard yet. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Can I just say, why does Lexius fight so goddamn Dragon Ball? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I actually, it's the his, power level fights. He is one of my favorite absent silhouettes because like because he was such a non-entity in Chain of Memories, his absent silhouette fight, like they give him this weird mechanic where you're trying to have a, a power level fight. And I don't understand it. It is kind of pointless and weird. It's poorly explained. And it honestly doesn't matter that much because you're just wailing on the guy like you would normally do anyway. But it's funny. It rules. <laughs> like he literally does keep doing more damage with higher power level. But and then when you like you could steal his power level, do one big hit or something. I couldn't make any sense of it. I literally just went with the whale on him till he's dead and hope to survive. Yep. That is all you really need to do. Just the big guy with the big earth axe there. He just goes all powering up in true and true ability. So if Syx is control of Berserkers, what the heck would the nobodies for Laxius be? He's a tank. He's clearly a marauder. Marauder works. Um, warrior, maybe. Do any of the COMs actually get their own nobodies? Yes. I can't talk but, about that yet. But not Lexius, I assume. Not Lexius. Not Lexius and probably not Vexen. Not Vexen, no. <laughs> for what you're fighting now or fight him later. Now we just have to find out what happened with this guy running and asking us about our friend. Yep. And so we head back to the station and we to go learn what happened to Kyrie. And what happened is she got kidnapped. Again. Damn it. Damn it, Axel. Damn it. Stop being creepy, buddy. As I recall, it's kind of an awkward scene, too. Like you have Kyrie. She was telling them all her story. Oh, I just thought it was the most romantic thing ever. And then just Axel waltz in. It's like, you know. I knew I'd find you here. How did you I just, know this? <laughs> How did you? Ah, uh, well, probably just followed Pluto. Pluto probably does not have very good stealth. It was speaking 358 days, we'll find out Axel knows this region very well. Yeah, yeah. And she jumped into his portal. So maybe this is where it was going to come out. So we knew it was in Twilight Town. That's probably fair. Hater and Pench just kind of just phase right through him. They try to stop him. So he just drags Kyrie off. Very unpleasant. He comes off as really predatory in this, which is. Not great. Uh, he is kind of, as far as we know, still a, a bad guy, just one with inscrutable motivations. Yeah, well, he was working with nominees, so it was a little unclear. And he you definitely could tell he was upset during Roxas' sequence. So, yeah, I feel like you think, you know, he's rogue. And my sort of story instincts, as soon as a member of the organization say, watch out for that guy, I become very suspicious that there's anything that, that he's actually an enemy. The other guy got it. Yeah, uh, like for me, like what I think at this particular time is Axel is not with the organization anymore. He has gone rogue, but that doesn't necessarily make him our friend or a good guy. Right. Yeah. Um. It seems pretty clear from what we've seen so far that Axel is more concerned about 
stuff to do with Roxas and stuff to do with the organization. He technically never threatened Kyrie, but grabbing her and, and forcing something is enough of its own. So he hasn't yeah. really said anything that indicates he has, let's say, violent intentions. But you're still there's still the questions. So Sora decides it's just kind of a weird moment. He, he apparently the Oath Keeper keychain. I don't know if they had well, lost it or he found it again here. And then Sora just suddenly shouts he has to help help Kyrie, which apparently scares Goofy, who drops the trophy he was holding. Yep. And then I have in my notes, you can't do that, Sora. It's a time paradox. Help me out here, guys. I don't remember why I wrote that. It's because when he drops the trophy, the crystals pop off like they did in Rox's storyline. In fact, the other three grab the colors they had. Sora grabs a blue one and then Goofy pulls out that money pouch that has the other blue one. So there's two of them. Oh, OK, that's right. Cool. Thank you for your help. And I think you see Roxas for a second. You can't do that voice. What you have to do is you have to have Chip and Dale coming on through gumming communication and saying you can't do that. Sorry, it's a time paradox. I can't do that. I can't. I cannot do that voice at all. I can I can picture it in my head, but I can't make my vocal cords do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's just listen. I'd, I'd just sooner just say I have Goofy do it because he's the one who caused the trouble. But, you know, I go. OK, go for it. Go for it. I want to hear Goofy say that line. <laughs> You can't do that, Sora. It's a time paradox. That's incredible. <laughs> Would it be I, indulgent to ask you to do the snake, snake, snake with Sora and Goofy now? Sora? Sora? Sora! Holy shit, that's incredible. <laughs> anyway, yeah, the blue crystal then becomes a gate. Why did we do something important enough to get a gate here? You beat some berserkers. Yes, so. What does the gate open? I have no idea what these gates are for. We don't unlock another world to the very end of the game. So what the hell did this gate open? <laughs> we are unlocking Kingdom Hearts. I guess. <laughs> no, you're actually unlocking Kingdom Hearts soundtrack uh, room in the in the music box. And then since we took a look at the Oathkeeper keychain, we get the Oathkeeper keyblade and the limit oh, form. Oh, shit. I had this already. Whoops. Yep. I probably should use that. Oathkeeper is actually a very good keyblade, too. Oh, yeah, it's. It is a very, I forget what exactly it has as its innate skill. It has form boost. Form boost. Okay, so it's the one that uh, will increase it. I think it slows down the drive right. depletion. Also, isn't Oathkeeper one of the two Keyblades Roxas uses? Yes, yes, it is. Oathkeeper and Oblivion. You know, the good girl and the Yeji Boy Blades. So we also get the limit form, which is unique to Final Mix. Rather than eating your friends, it takes away all your mobility except for a built-in dodge roll and replaces all your spells with special moves from Kingdom Hearts 1. And it also replicates Sora's look from Kingdom Hearts 1. It looks kind of weird, and you don't quite notice it until you're really looking. It almost feels like what happens is like we revert to before Nami messes with our head. That's why we lose all the new stuff to forget is the game and all. <laughs> to level it up, you have to hit the final move of your limit breaks in there. Like the way I always do it is I just spam strike raid because that's the easiest finishing move to hit. Because you can keep using it even if your target runs out. You just keep on spamming it and then you eventually will get off the big limit break. Also, in critical mode. I really like to use it as a way to turn drive into HP and MP, which I will talk about a lot more when we start talking about the optional bosses. You know, I, I tried. It is a trick that I had to teach myself how to do. Yeah, limit form is the one form you can always use no matter what. And that makes it a free elixir, basically. We can talk about this more later and believe me, we will. But first, we got to go back to the chair room. Chair room! <laughs> All the remaining guys are sitting out there. The boss is in his, his top chair because no one else dares move their chair up to his. And Syx pops in because he has a report to get. But now this, his hood's down. He has to stay down, of course. Yep. Now that we've seen Syx's face, Syx has to show his face all the time even in the chair room. That's the rules of Cloak Club. 
I passed on the message as you so desired. I told the young Sora to keep defeating the Heartless. Good. Not only have you the power to inflict pain, you also have the power to plant seeds of doubt in one's receptive heart. Sora will soon begin to doubt himself. It will cause him to hesitate, and that hesitation will turn to anger. That anger will fuel him to get rid of his apprehension and move forward. He will pave the way for the future we desire. There's something I've meant to ask. About Axel? The poor fool. How long will he keep chasing the illusion of friendship when he himself lacks emotion? Trying so hard to retrieve what he has lost when it may never have existed in the first place. He deserves nothing more than our pity. So yeah. So yeah, Sonic's just saying, yeah, boss, I did that job. So can I just knock off early and get ice cream? <laughs> no, he's not the one that wants ice cream. Well, maybe he wants it now that he missed his chance. Maybe. <laughs> hmm. Well, but I mean, he's the one who's talking about not chasing the illusion of friendship. And what is the illusion of friendship, if not ice cream? <laughs> uh, OK, so carry the one. I have no idea what you mean. <laughs> well, we're done with Twilight Town. Yeah, we're done with Twilight Town. And we get a message that Hollow Bastion is covered in darkness. Damn it. Damn it. Oh, look, the Heartless are increasing when we go back there. But they're not on the moon. Okay. Well, you know, when the monsters increase, the moon's usually involved. I mean, that is literally how Final Fantasies 4, 8, and 14 work. Pending on 14. Pending on 14, but it's pretty clear that because of the moon is involved, monsters are increasing in 14. This episode was recorded before Endwalker come out. It'll probably come out after Endwalker has come out. We're going to be so happy to be completely wrong about everything we guessed. I'm sure of it. Yay. I, I know. I'm serious. I look forward to being completely wrong. Also increasing our nobodies. Before we can do anything about that, we got to run into Cloud because we haven't had enough um, angst today. He's in his Advent Children outfit because Advent Children had pretty much just come out or was about to come out. I forget which is which, but it was around that time. Don't ask me to look it up. It's just it's it's close enough. Yep. Yeah. Since we're talking to Cloud, is it Final Fantasy Day today? I think it's Final Fantasy uh, Day today. But is this an everyday Final Fantasy Day in Hollow Bastion? I guess so. But yeah, so it's just like he's treating Cloud like an old friend. Lots of few beatings between friends anyway. That's how Sora made friends with all of his friends back in Destiny Islands. By beating them up. Of course he's friends with Clouds now. That's a shonen trope. And and Sora is very much a spiky-haired shonen boy. Yes. From one shonen guy to another, he wants to know what's up with Cloud. Yep. Cloud's getting his brood in him. Yeah, Cloud's looking for Sephiroth. I have in my notes that Sora forgot that he fought Sephiroth because Chain of Memories happened. Or because it was optional, one of the two. Or both. Both, Maybe. And we even get a little bit of Cloud and Aerith ship tease. The second Aerith shows up, Cloud's like, nope, can't stay angsty, gotta get away. I cannot see her, yeah. Which is about right, because, you know, he cannot keep up his act around Aerith. No, he cannot. About how Kingdom Hearts treats it. Yeah, like, <laughs> all their characters are sort of through the ringer here and aren't fully realized in a way that I find all that great, especially after Remake. But <laughs> it's pretty clear, like, they're trying to play out a bit of Final Fantasy VII fan fiction in Kingdom Hearts right now. I think part of it, though, is that the reason that they went away from Final Fantasy after Kingdom Hearts 2 is simply because they realized that they couldn't really do a lot of the Final Fantasy characters justice in just the one world that they have them in. Or Disney asked them to stop doing it. Mm. And can I say that it gets weird here? Because Cloud describes Sephiroth as the one who embodies all the darkness in Cloud. And Donald says, oh, that's why you've dressed differently. What? 
got it. I thought you looked different. He's like, yeah, if I look different, it's all Sephiroth's fault. <laughs> so what's he look like? Got Over it. hair, log sword. Can you narrow it down a bit? Does that mean if if Zemnis picked up a katana, he would be Sephiroth? I might mistake him for Sephiroth. <laughs> Quam must really hate having the organization around. And I mean, the organization are just a bunch of Final Fantasy villains anyway. So anyway, there's a bunch of new Heartless around the town, too. Yep. Yay! Yeah, we got Bookmasters, which are there's a lot of Heartless in this game. that are exactly what it says on the tin. Bookmasters are these little Heartless guys inside of books. <laughs> Armored Knight, I believe is exactly what you think it is. Morningstar, which is a giant mace. It is a giant mace. And surveillance robots, which are sort of like just skirting around little robot things. I want to talk about the Morningstar bit because it's really funny. It's like a mace head with with spindly arms and legs coming out of the mace body. And they have a fun reaction command, too. They will jump over you and you can do the reaction command. You can bump them up like a volleyball. It's really funny. That should hurt. I seem to remember that I did some XP and form grinding here because I think uh, the new Heartless actually gives some good XP around here. Yeah, they do. I remember my levels just skyrocketing at this point in this game. Like they're they're just trying to really get you going. Well, they they were about to be put through some pretty uh, high numbers. So it makes sense that you that all those would be effects. Well, we got to go to Merlin's house. That's where everyone's always hanging out is Merlin's house. Except for the books involved. Yep, we're talking to Sid and Yuffie. We found out that they have found Ansem's computer. First thing they did was say we're not looking for the porn folk. I mean, it'll just be pictures of darkness. Darkness porn. The entire page, it just blacked out. The censoring actually works more for him. It's a horrible, vicious cycle. Oh, no. (laughs) Darkness, darkness. But we have to go to the computer machine that is beneath the castle of Hollow Bastion. So let's get going. And on the way, we run into Yuna, Riku and Pine from Final Fantasy X-2, who are weird fairies for some reason. Okay, let's just consider everything we've seen before. We have... We have Cypher, the, the weird, aggressive kid who pones losers. We have Setsuru who beats up children for trophies. We have other characters as kids hanging on an island. This is the weirdest Final Fantasy cameo, I think, in all the games I know. Yes, this is the weirdest Final Fantasy cameo in all of Kingdom Hearts. Uh, I think we are on the weird drugs today. Yeah, I believe that Ten Two was also very close at this point. Like it's yes. about as close as Advent Children. Ten Two was uh, 2003, so it was a few years ago at this point. But it's about as close as Advent Children, I'd say. Avon Children was like 2004, 2005, I want to say. The thing about Avon Children, I always remember as a friend of mine approaching me saying, so do you always felt the game was this Dragon Ball Z bullshit? Avon Children is very Dragon Ball Z because Final Fantasy VII was people's first Final Fantasy in the same way that Dragon Ball Z was people's first anime. And so and they came out at around the same time for a lot of people, so it kind of merged together, and that just happened. I actually have a bit of a soft spot for Avon Children. I think it's a horribly compressed story and just kind of... We're just going to do more cool stuff, but it's kind of fun for it. I actually like Advent Children. I don't like what Advent Children does to Cloud's character. You mean how it removes all the extra subtlety and just re- reverts him back to the Inks boy? Yes. Um, like at the end of Final Fantasy VII, Cloud is a fully realized person. He has uh, gotten over all of his trauma from, well, not gotten over, but he's accepted his trauma from the tragedy at Nibelheim. And he's able to with the memory of Aerith, go on and fight Sephiroth. And then Advent Children just has him moping about Aerith all the time. And apparently he's dying? I forget what it, what everything is. Geostigma. Geostigma. Everyone loves that, right? I don't know what that is. <laughs> it was a vague disease that basically meant your arm looked funny, but it also meant you were dying. Let's get back to talking about this goofy fairy trio. 
that I still don't know why they are fairies here. I mean, in Ted 2, they were basically a weird riff on Charlie's Angels already. Yes. Kind of strange because 10 was such a broody game about death. 10 2 is fun, though. Like, I, I appreciate that 10 2 went for that level of cheeriness because it is the first time that they've done a direct sequel to a Final Fantasy. They're like, okay, the world is vastly improved. People are able to have a bit more fun. Why don't we turn them into pop stars? That sounds good. Let's have some factionalization cause things go to shit. But come yeah. on, John. You, I know the real reason you're sympathetic to it because it's a job system. Yeah, that's yep. true. <laughs> yep, that, that is, in fact, the correct answer. So we're taking these characters. We're turning them into Tinkerbell-sized fairies in their outfits, might I add. Yep, in their just complete straight taking their outfits from which, Final Fantasy X-2. Which are kind of fan service outfits. And then apparently we learned that they're also spies for Maleficent? What is going on here? Like, they would come just say, hey, I'm not suspicious. What's Leon doing? We need to report it to our leader, Maleficent. No, shut up. <laughs> Sora has nothing to say about any of this. Yeah, I think Sora literally just says, we're going to the castle. And that's all he says to them. And then they leave. And Sora's like, well, that was weird. They're just weird fairies. Ignore them. I, none of it makes sense. <laughs> they are the worst <laughs> spies and their character. I mean, OK, <laughs> we've, I think we've pretty consistently seen right now that even though Maleficent is a competent villain on her own, her only good hiring decision this entire game has been Pete. Yep. Get an HR department. Let them take care of the hiring. You're not doing good running this business on your own, ma'am. <laughs> Unfortunately, her last HR person was Oogie Boogie. Oh, no. Aerith is waiting for us at Hollow Bastion Castle. And the king is hanging out with Leon somewhere, we think. Like Aerith's like, yeah, the king's here. He's really interested. He's hanging out with Leon. The only thing Sora has to say is, oh, is Riku there? He doesn't give two no. shits about Mickey. Yeah, that's Donald and Goofy's problem. Sora's met the guy twice for about a minute each time. Yeah, that's true. Sora never watched Disney Channel as a kid, so he has no emotional attachment to Mickey. But he is kind of, you know, Riku's friend. And so a yeah. friend of a friend should be should be his friend, according to the friendship rules here. Though but, it is kind of geek social fallacy, I suppose. Yeah. But still. But so it's like, at least I can ask the king about my friend. He just sounds so disappointed. Anyway, as we go into the basement of Hollow Bastion Castle, we also see Stitch from Lilo and Stitch crawling around for no good reason. Yeah, he's following us. And I don't think they ever explain. I don't think they ever notice it. Stitch, like, doesn't do much here. It's like it's yeah. alien. He's stalking them, but he doesn't do anything. He's just there. Like, it's a bit of a shame because, like, it'd be really cool to actually have a Lilo and Stitch world in here somehow. It would. Yes. I'd say use the TV series. We can have it be its own Pokemon thing. We will have to wait to get cool Lilo and Stitch content for Birth by yeah. Sleep. Yep. So we walk into what's apparently is Ansem's sitting room with a great big picture of him. Yep. Just a big old picture of Ansem, Seeker of Darkness up on the wall. It's the evil room, as we can clearly tell. The evil room. Our heroes with their keen observational powers like, oh, this must be his room. Yep. And then just because it's Final Fantasy Day is not over yet, who should walk in looking for Cloud? But Tifa in her Advent Children outfit, my ad. What is it? The big, long combat skirt thing? It's kind of like it's a half zip coat, only it kind of turned into her sleeveless shirt at the upper part. So like it goes yeah. down into open tails. Yeah, it's a nice outfit. Honestly, I kind of like it. It's cool. It is. A, it is a really cool outfit. Uh, Tifa's just looking for a guy with spiky hair. The game seems to recognize what they're saying because she literally asks and they just kind of look at Sora awkwardly. She's like, oh, no, spikier. <laughs> yeah. And then I have in my notes that Tifa uses her strength score to check for traps and secret doors. 
kind of like is popping her fist against the wall as she's listening for open door. And then she just stops and just kicks the wall as hard as she can. It shakes everything. Yep. And like, nothing happens. That's all like, and she goes, nothing happens. That's all I got. Bye. Yep. It's the barbarian method of checking for secret rooms in D&D. Yep. Unfortunately, it doesn't work. Uh, Leon comes in out of fucking nowhere without King Mickey, I might add. Tifa's gone already. I, if, if you told us that we imagined Tifa show up, there's actually not much evidence saying we didn't. Oh, no. Erica Fruto would have a field day with this one. Can't talk about that yet. Uh-huh. Can't talk about that yet. And also the correct joke is, oh, shit, a talking chair. <laughs> um, Leon. Yeah, Leon appears out of fucking nowhere without King Mickey, I might add. And he pushes the button that Tifa failed to find because she used the wrong stat to search. Amusingly, the second we mentioned the king, Leon's like, shh, don't talk about that. A secret path opens up to the computer room. Well, and we learned that having grown up in a place where the where the best excitement and entertainment is wandering around desert island, Sora doesn't know how to computer. Like, what is the first thing that you would expect a kid that has never seen a computer to do when he sees a computer for the first time? Uh, well, the game's answer is start typing wildly on the keyboard. Just keeps hitting it harder and harder. So he starts punching, Sora, I think. Sora eventually um, unboomerfies and learns to use social media, but that's not for a while. Yep. Stitch also shows up and also doesn't know how to computer and breaks it. Yeah, like Goofy sees Stitch who falls off the ceiling and slams to the keyboard. I guess Destiny Islands is 1990s tech level, though. At best. At best. At best. Like, I would probably even go further back than that. So apparently the computer has a protocol if a small furry creature falls and, and breaks the keyboard because it starts yelling at you. Yep. Uh, and then we get turned to data and eaten by a computer. Because we are doing Tron here. A very interesting choice. What? We're, we're being, deep cuts or yeah. deep cuts? <laughs> I love Tron. I mean, the Master Control program, that's a very memorable villain for all its weird appearances because you got the voice of David fucking Warner and that guy is a master. Though I don't, I doubt that's him in this. Yeah, I forget who voices him here. I think we probably have it in our notes a little later. We'll probably bring yeah. it up, maybe. Or maybe we'll I bring just it up like, when we actually encounter the Master Control program. It is kind of funny how this all goes down. The, like, his voice yells at us saying, like, you're unauthorized, move away from the terminal. And then Donald promptly steps on the keyboard. It's like, OK, that does it. You're under arrest. I'm just amused by the idea of the computer punishing you for using it wrong. Well, I mean, that's Tron. The Master Control program is a, uh, a vicious, aggressive AI, and that's yep. it, it's it is quietly taking over chunks of the world in its original movie. Like even the guy who helped modify it and use it to, you know, rip off Flynn, he's horrified by how much power it has. So that's about right. I'm not familiar with the actual plot of Tron. I've always found this world a bit weird. It's a bit cheesy. We use very little. It's basically the characters are in it and they use a couple of the set pieces. Tron itself is actually worth watching, though, just as a retro futurism sort of study. There's a little bit of this is what we thought computers and programs were. (laughs) Actually, it's kind of interesting, though, because I actually do think that they got a surprising amount of stuff right for the time. Hmm. I, I agree with you. It's all kind of in a different shape than it would take, but the capacities end up surprisingly similar. We have a short trek to access a computer with an energy core. Well, first we gotta get tortured. Yeah, 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 we do. <laughs> like we we get we got dumped in there by MCP. He dumps us running for a Sark, you know, the guy who actually has hands in there that works for him because the MCP is a big face. We find out, so he immediately tortures the and Goofy. And everything is super neon. As I said, I really like the kind of retro futurism aesthetic of what the inside of a computer must look like. They go for a real I don't want to say vaporwave because vaporwave is a very recent thing, 
But like I want to say Lasertron. The style is what I think Vaporwave is sort of trying to rekindle. The color palette is similar. And this is a world with new appearances here. Like the character, like Sora, Donald, and Goofy gets skinned down to the Tron glowing lines outfits. Yeah, like I don't think their outfits are all that notable to really comment on what they what they look like specifically. Basically, they're exact same outfits with a few small changes, look like computer stuff, and then has texture move in place by the uh, line patterns. He's always wearing the the light cycle helmet, I think, in this world. OK, well, no, in Tron, everyone's always wearing helmets like that. It's it's uh-huh. it's actually not like so- they, Everyone- they actually don't change outfits in Tron. They always gotcha. wear those same things. Gotcha. And there are I think we actually ignored. There's a couple new heartless types in here. Uh, we'll talk about those more in a bit. Uh, okay. Let's get to the story first. Yeah. So Sark yeah. zaps us because, you know, let's say you are a computer program tasked with keeping the computer safe and three programs that you have never seen before show up. You get rid of them, right? Quarantine it. That he uses his torture button and then he drops you into a pit. Like an antivirus program should do. Yeah, I was going to say Sark is the antivirus program. Which, boy, considering his role as someone who's taking over functions in larger, larger systems, that is so the opposite of what he actually is. Uh, And inside that neon prison room, we meet Tron. This isn't Brute Box Lightner, is it? What now? I'm assuming this isn't actually Bruce Box Lightner, the uh, voice of Tron. It is not. Um... Gosh, I think we at this point, we do need to look it up. Oh, holy shit, it is. Wait, what? Oh, wow. Bruce Boxleitner isn't the biggest actor, but he's got a solid part. Apparently, he's consistently in uh, the, the Kingdom Hearts game, and he's a pretty cool guy. I mean, very good at being this kind of wry, calm guy who has authority. So it works very well for him. Nice. He kind of spent most of his career on TV. Maybe he was less expensive because of that, so he was easier to use. OK, that makes sense. So I am so worried about the Master Control programs. I'm almost certain that's not the actual voice of him. Uh, yeah, it's Corey Burton. Corey Burton. Always Corey Burton. OK, now we can get to that trek to the computer for the energy core. Hooray. And I have in my notes a cube telepathy, which is a weird thing to type in all caps. <laughs> I just I just love that everything is Tron's explanation for how this world exists is weird. It's like this is part of a corporation system that was destroyed and then it was copied and turned into the operating system for Hollow Bastion and for, for private research. Also, I'm an antivirus. How you doing? Oh, also, yeah. we should probably say we should probably state that the name of this world is not Tron. It's Space Paranoids. I because Space Paranoids is one of the games that's part of the plot in Tron, but not a world you visit. I would go on with the grid because that's kind of what they always call the full world. But I guess mm. I thought that was more fun. I yeah. think they they in in Birth by Sleep where there is another no, dream Tron drop thing, distance or dream drop distance where there is another Tron thing. They do call it the grid, I think. <laughs> well, I heard they go to the Tron Legacy there. And when I asked you about the kind of horrifying shit Tron Legacy does to the first. Clarify, they, they I, run with basically it. they yeah. run with it. Tron Legacy has the world go much darker. And you tell me they run with that. And considering yep. who our friend is in this one, that's terrifying. <laughs> anyway. So Tron gets us to an exit. So Tron wants us to find his user or the password to the data space. Who's the user? D2D to the DTD. ETD. That's the name of the data space. Yep. And but what is the name of his user? Ansem the Wise, of course. Oh, shit. <laughs> they all just stare at Tron and Tron's like, uh, no more time to talk. Bye. Yeah, we get the fuck out of there. So did Ansem the Wise like literally like raid Earth for his computer system? <laughs> I don't know. He traversed the space between the darkness and found a place where he could get a computer. And on that computer was Tron. 
<laughs> or with space for annoyance. Yep. Yeah. And then, so then we go out there and Leon's like, where did you go? There's computer. people in the computer. Leon just doesn't say anything about it. Of course, the computer runs with little people running around with it. How do you think it works? Yep. Have you ever watched Reboot? Was Reboot sort of like a reinvention of the idea of Tron in general? Yeah. <sighs> I mean, it's different enough that Tron was inspiration, but it's definitely very much its own thing. I'm going to basically invite the the hate on myself and say that I never actually liked Reboot. Like, I will say this. Reboot starts to get good, like, a few seasons in. Like, the second season, they kind of upgrade the tech and it starts working better and the story builds. And the third season, where they kind of go a little crazy with the epic story is pretty fascinating. Then they get the ironically rebooted season and they end it with a huge cliffhanger they have no intention of fixing. Yep. But they did try <laughs> to later with something part live action. I never even looked at it. Let's not delve into things that got canceled. I, I, di- I have in my notes here, computers are operated by little electronic gremlins. Sora did the brawn tube tests and magic is real. Can't make that joke yet. <laughs> Leanne's like, I don't want it to be involved with this shirt. Go away. Yeah. Yeah. Leon does not believe this shit. He does not care. The funny thing is Tifa walks into the room. It's going to be hard to find Ansem. Tifa has a solution. Punch shit. <laughs> she's just going back to her room and just kind of just moving stuff. She after she just plays around with things, she grabs the big Ansem portrait, takes off the wall, punches the wall. No, not even that. She she pulls off the picture off the wall. Reveals a bunch of drawings and stuff, basically a bunch of lore, and then she punches the lore. She has exhausted all her options and walks out of there. So basically, Tifa is Doom Guy at this point. Kinda. <laughs> <laughs> I like hypervalent Tifa. It's great. So then Donald shows that he knows better than Tifa by actually bothering to read what was picked up there. It is the buildup to the greatest line delivery in the history of video games. Leon comes in where we're reading, like, What's up? Look at this. This must be the data space, the DTD. See, the door to darkness. What do you know? But that still leaves the password. Say, fellas, did somebody mention the door to darkness? <laughs> there is no entrance more amazed at that. Mickey Lou just might as well come in and go, hey, I'll see you. Like the camera like just whips around and you see Mickey in a poo gas jacket staring up at you after that line has been delivered. It is... <laughs> It is a meme for a reason. This is where Mickey says the thing. And it's a wonderful moment. It's just so amazing because like, I I don't know, like I love Kingdom Hearts and there's so much good stuff about it, but there's just something so like wonderfully hackish about Mickey just literally showing up with say, fellas, did somebody just mention the door to darkness? Because he's saying something so obvious. You literally were ju- you literally just said it. Yes. Like you just said door darks without a password. Mickey just pushes his way in the conversation. Yep. And, and does it from behind you without even saying hi. He can't smell it because his coat's covering up the smell. Or is that the smell coming from him? Oh, geez. Does that mean like he's just he's like his nose is marinating his own smell? Uh, how do these coats work? Why do we need them? Because otherwise, Nomura would have to make character designs faster. Yes. yes. But he doesn't need to make a character design for Mickey right away. A character design for Mickey is as old as dirt. I feel like they just enjoy his ears in the hood. Yeah. Just sticking straight up. I'm still extremely amused that Mickey is our representative of darkness. Is he? Kind of. He, he hangs out with Mickey, Riku 
And he has the Keyblade of Darkness. Yeah, he has the Keyblade of Darkness. He's literally the the Darkness Keyblade wielder. How did Disney let that fly? I have no idea. I'm not trying to figure that out. Don't ask me to explain it. I understand it. I will say that in this world, darkness is not synonymous with evil. That is true. At least it's starting to become that way. It's starting to become that way. Yeah, we're starting to see more. But anyways, there's no time, Rex. It's time to hug your king. Yeah, I have in my notes, Mickey closes the door and Donald glomps the shit out of him. Goofy gets in on the love potato. Love potato. Love potato is a term for my group of friends where if you get into a big old group hug, it's a love potato. It's great. That is a fun <laughs> term. I like it. So let's just go on talking about Ansem's security plans, because I yes. have to say his password is the worst version of that joke about five characters in the capital ever. Yep. Yeah, we you know the one, right? Yep. So what's my password? Mickey, Donald, Goofy, uh, <laughs> Mickey, Donald, Goofy, Chip, Dale, Albuquerque. No, Santa Fe, rather. That's my fault. I said the wrong one was the capital. You must be you must be ashamed of me <laughs> because we find out the door to darkness is opened by the seven princesses. OK, but we also have a lot of other stuff that he's going to tell us about, too. Oh, yeah. Mickey's very dark today. Yeah, yeah. But he's he keeps getting interrupted, which is kind of frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. So we get a lot of lore about the door to darkness. The princesses. Leon helps put stuff together. Yeah. And it's like Mickey's like, you find out where Ansem is. Dad, I thought. Mickey yeah. explains, right, that the door to darkness is opened by the seven pure hearts of light or something like that. The seven princesses. Yep. Well, yeah. seven pure hearts of light, which means seven princesses. We put it all together. Yep. Yes. Yeah. And also Mickey gives us master form, which is another dual wielding form. And it's, it's also basically the best form you have until the very end. It's it's the best form that you're going to be given by the story. Mm hmm. Um, it's got kind of a kind of cool visual. He holds one blade normally, and the other one he kind of has his hand out flat in front, and it's spit, the blade sort of spins like it's being held in place by magic. Yeah, it's a form that is like a mixture of magic and physical power. Uh, you're running around normally. You're not like skating around like you were on wisdom form. But like when you cast a thunder spell, you'll bounce around all over the place, dropping lightning around you. What's his traversal power? Uh, its traversal power is air dodge, which is basically a double jump. Ah, it also lets, but literally also lets you dodge in air. But <laughs> yeah, you have to vor both Donald and Goofy to do master form. Sadly, yes. I hate that that's the verb you use, but yes. Which means putting aside Matt's attempts to make us uncomfortable, that this is a form that you can't use any secondary characters to access. You, so you can't play around with uh, other characters like like Elad and or other guest stars. And also. As we go back down the hall, all of a sudden a chest has appeared with a, another summon charm in it that gives us Stitch. We can finally just use Stitch. So since the summon charm is supposed to be like a fragment of someone who's like world exploded, what happened to Stitch in the last 20 minutes? Eh, I do not want to know about that answer to that question. Did he pick a fight with the Gallwigs? All I know is that Stitch is the best summon in this game. Hands down, no question. Yeah, if you explained him to me earlier, I would have... I was going to just say that the MCP got to Stitch, and that's what le what's left of him. Oh, no. This is monstrous. The reason he's the best summon in the game is because of cheese. Stitch, <laughs> Stitch decides to literally not just break the fourth wall, but live on it. He starts crawling around on the screen surface, doing various antics, all of which help you in some way. And what he does depends on your situation at the time. He has three basic antics. If enemies are attacking you, he will stop the incoming attacks with his laser gun. If your health is low... He will stun all enemies on the screen by using his ukulele and causes them to drop health orbs. And if your MP is low, he licks it. He licks your MP gauge. Yeah, he moves he licks over it to it. <laughs> and gives you a full MP restore. 
Yeah. It's fun because he's a very meta summon because he explicitly interacts with your UI. And so he kind of exists on a higher layer of reality than the game because he's more attached to the screen and camera than he is to the game. But he's a little tricky because he's completely uncontrolled and his and it has to kind of plays on the game AI for what he decides to do, even if there are conditions. Once you understand how his AI works, you can exploit the shit out of it and do some crazy things with him. He's incredibly powerful and He's probably essential for dealing with some of the harder challenges in Critical Commode, if I'm being honest. Yeah, it kind of ended up being the case once I hit a wall. Once we get into a lot of the more side content, I will explain all the various cheesy ways I use Stitch. Stitch is actually one of my favorite modern Disney characters. I really love the best. And Stitch. Lilo and Stitch is an amazing movie. And he's fascinating because there's there was a sequel movie, a sequel series, a, a movie that was a series finale, at least two anime series... It kind of stretches further than most Disney characters that were from single movies. Mm-hmm. Wasn't the series uh, about all the other experiments? I never. Saw yes, it. literally like um, he's he's the, since he's experiment six to six. That means there's six hundred twenty five more. And apparently you're a crazy scientist guy. He was literally playing with everything like they all had random abilities, powers or themes and the point was to a break their evil programming by talking to him and b find a place on this one Hawaiian island where they could hang out. Oh, it's cool. So it's basically Pokemon, but Pokemon mixed Pokemon mixed with like one of those games where you put together like a fish tank or and they're just kind of all just living in the environment. I'm kind of like uh, almost imagining it as like a Pokemon Ranger kind of situation. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. It's that and like there's there's one that speaks completely normal. Like he's a comic relief character. The joke is he's six to five. He's exactly the same as Stitch, but he's a lazy asshole because he couldn't get the personality right. <laughs> so he works for the bad guy. So that's Stitch. Mickey wants to tell us the plot, but we don't have time. Yeah, um, he mentions he's got to go find Ansem. That confuses the shit out of our heroes. Yeah, he's like, he's dead. What are you talking about? <laughs> but the moment that he's about to explain anything, Leon just is like, hey, uh, we got to do this computer shit first. Tron's waiting. I completely believe your story about the imaginary computer people. Let's get going, people. We have plot to get to. Anyway, we're doing plot here. My plot's more important. This plot is more important right now at this instant. We go back to Space Paranoids, where we get the worst minigame in Kingdom Hearts 2. I'm glad you're coming around to what the singing is like, John. The worst minigame in Kingdom Hearts 2. There are no other bad minigames in Kingdom Hearts 2. Is it? There, is it the, really the, worst? the worst? Look, look, look. If I don't acknowledge Atlantica, then Atlantica won't exist. Shit! Did I just... No! No! Damn it! Damn it! Damn it! He makes the classic mistake of remembering Maleficent she came back. Only oh. it's a whole world. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. This is the worst minigame in Kingdom Hearts 2. Anyway. Matt, I think, Matt, I think if we can break him an episode or two at this rate... Yep. I ha- anyway, yeah, we, I, we will. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, uh, I have in my notes. Sark wants us to play a game. Open brackets uh, slash jigsaw. Close brackets. <laughs> so yeah, and we're playing the light cycle game. Where basically you're fighting some heartless on bikes, where you have to make quick turns. Yep. So why is this the worst? Uh, because I die all the fucking time because of the damage scaling on critical mode. I'm pretty sure uh, I one shotted this. Fuck you. I mean, I think we've established the fat past that one skill I have over to you, and there aren't many in terms of games, I have much better twitch reflexes. This is probably true. Still, fuck you. So I'm never ramming into the walls at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tron ends up asking, why wasn't this meeting an email? 
Yeah, yeah. He it really could have just been a me email, right? Yeah, because first, because to get to him, what we had to do is we had to survive the bikes. Then a heartless had to like, randomly ram into a wall, cracking a hole in the program inside the computer because that's how that works. Yep. And then we have to race to get to the wall. I don't think any of our three characters knows how to use email. I don't think Sora knows how to type. All this is basically the closest we'll be getting to playing Tron's plot until the very end of next time when we get back to Space Paranoids. Oops, did I spoil the fact that we're going back to Disney World? Whoops. Oh, dear. There are, in fact, new Heartless in the Space Paranoids world. Yep. Uh, why are there data Heartless? That's kind of interesting. There's Heartless for anywhere and ever you could possibly go. These ones are called Strafers and Devastators, and they are weird computery things. As I recall, they're various turrets on, like, jet-looking things. Like, they got yeah. laser cannon arm things, like the big battery ar- uh, cannons you see. It's, it's as I said, if you think, like, like techie robot flying enemy, you're probably going to get at least 80% there. I will say, based on stuff that happens later, Data being involved with hearts is not that strange. We're going to find out more. I was going no. to say. <laughs> no. No. John, I was I'm sorry. That's my future voice. Answer. That's my future voice. Where'd that come from? I don't understand. I, I was only talking about Ansem, the wisest Data cannon. <laughs> and Roxas and all that shit. You're, you're the one who jumped in the air. Do we need to have some sort of rudimentary artificial intelligence to have a Data Heartless? I'm curious about that. Maybe because that's could be the case. I mean, a heartless intelligent uh, anyways, usually. Well, but the thing is, it seems you need to have a heart, which implies intelligence to become a heartless. So data heartless are probably corrupted AIs. Okay, so I'm just imagining data heartless from Star Trek. It's a wonderful mental image. (laughs) What did data become a nobody? Tax ad. Data is a nobody. He's trying to understand a heart so he can grow one of his own. Cool. When I was, we get to the terminal to enter the password. The names of the seven princesses. We get the order right on our very first try out of 5,040. I like that you actually calculate how many there were. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe maybe the order doesn't matter because you put them in different uh, things. So it's even less secure. Right. But even if we see later someone putting in multiple like characters and they're, they're completely unlabeled. So it's still just... Does any character work anywhere? I don't think so, but I don't know. (laughs) Whatever. Anyway, the computer wants us to play a game again. Mostly because the second we we basically immediately set off, even though we put in the password, we set off an aggressive security system. That's how passwords work. Yeah, uh, we're not done fucking with weird twists on combat either. We need to freeze some monitors by killing Heartless to get the data that we need to freeze the computers. Okay. (laughs) So, yeah. So Tron says, OK, you fixed all my functions. Now I can beat the MCP who instantly takes over all the computer systems. I think at this point, Tron gets his limit break or is it after? I yeah. Yeah. Never, I, I use them so little. I, I almost never know. So I'll take your word on it. In good old RPG trope fashion, solving this plot point instantly gives the bad guy access to the MacGuffin. Yep. MCP probably takes over the program and pro- plans to blow up the town. It's like, ooh, neat. Self-destruct function. What the fuck, Ansem? Why is there one of those? Why not? Why wouldn't you make that if you were making an evil lore computer? But is it supposed to be an evil lore computer? Don't we find a bit that it shouldn't be? Maybe. Mickey hasn't been able to tell us the story yet. Mm. Well, we need to fight a boss for the value of friendship, I think. Yep. Or did I get that mixed up? The name of the boss is called Hostile Program. I burst it down with Master Form because it's pretty fucking easy to burst it down with Master Form. Considering that program is consistently what they call the humanoid beings inside the computer, this thing is literally called bad guy. True. <laughs> True. So you, so we beat up bad guy. 
Is there even uh, anything to mention about this boss fight? Not really, no. I can't remember them. I think there might be some mechanics for it that you can do, but I didn't do them because I just burst it down with Master Form. But isn't mm. Soul Bad Guy a good guy? I, do, I have not played Guilty Gear, so I know nothing about that game's lore. And it's also a fighting game, so my general assumption is that everyone is fighting each other because reasons. So with Tron's functions back online, we have to leave him taking care of shit in the computer while we head out to take care of shit in Hollow Bastion. Yep, yep. Yeah, Tron's uh, just like, uh, I have complicated feelings about about Ansem. He made me his user, but he brought back this that asshole voice, so uh, I, something's wrong. Fortunately, he has learned the value of friendship. And gives us permanent access with the with the password being Sora, Donald, and Goofy. In that order. In that order. Khan is also very bad at making passwords, which doesn't make that much sense for a security program. Are you sure you're an antivirus? Well, do antiviruses have to crack passwords? Mm, I guess not. Is he an antivirus? A like a firewall? Like, what is he exactly? I don't know. He's a dude in your computer. Yeah, because in the original, he was literally a program designed to destroy the master control program. Like he was literally, he was literally like some sort of. Okay, I think that does make him a virus program. in that case. Consider the master control program is the central con- program of the computer, but it's acting as a virus, invading other systems and stealing its functions to take control of them. So it's a virus to fight a virus. Yo, hmm. my uh, or my purpose is to kick you out. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. <laughs> I can't make that joke yet. I don't even know if we're going to be able to make that joke ever. So we get the photon debugger. I think it means that we fix light. It boosts your lightning magic. It's pretty nice to put as your offhand weapon on the master form because you're mostly going to be spamming lightning. Yep. And lightning is the best attack spell bar none in Kingdom Hearts 2. But what Sora, Donald, and Goofy don't know is the second they leave the computer, shit's about to go down. Next episode, it's time for the Battle of Hollow Bastion! Air horn noise. This is how much budget we have. We can't afford the air horn noise. So we're looking forward to that next time. So so until next time, I'm Jared. I'm John. And I'm Matt. And remember, a good story is best enjoyed with friends. Thank you for listening to Backlog Dialogues. If you're enjoying our deep dives and discussions, be sure to leave a five-star review on the podcatcher of your choice. If you're really enjoying our deep dives and discussions, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash backlog dialogues. If you'd like to hear more episodes, you can find our archives at backlogdialogues.com. Special thanks to Eli for our theme song. Kingdom Hearts and all associated trademarks are the property of Disney and Square Enix. Please support the official release. Here you go. Have a trophy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it makes me think of Home Store Runner going on. To continue talking about old internet memes, you're the cheat. Have a trophy. Well, it was really convenient whenever there were complaints, he just kind of lost the complaint and couldn't remember about it. Did I go too far there? Uh, uh, <laughs> all right. I feel, like, I feel like I went a little too far. Die the death. I'm cutting that. <laughs> Uh. (laughs) though honestly when i think of love potato i am thinking of something terrible involving lalafels at this point because i'm a final (laughs) fantasy 14 player so if a lalafels working in like the that like what's the uh bar called in you no 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 no
No, or, abort, abort. Or Stop the line of process. Die the death. And, and remake. Die the death. <laughs> John, now I'm imagining is somehow Klaus replaced with FF14 in the uh, in the Honeybee in sequence and remake for you know what? No, sequence. no, stop! We, to, we are we done with to, this. This conversation is over. This conversation is over. Done. Finito. We are not talking about this anymore. Yes.